Happy Wednesday, everyone. Um, we are in chapter three of Exodus. This is part two of that study. And um, if you remember that uh, on Monday, I started this lesson by saying that God is sovereign and in control over all things. And uh, he does whatever he wants and whatever he wants will come to pass. And ultimately, it will give him glory. And it's always beneficial to those that are believers and followers of Jesus Christ. When we get to today, um, maybe summarize what we uh, learned a little bit uh, on Monday, was that God um, God uh, announces his redemptive plan. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1 to 9, this is, was a very familiar story. Uh, the burning bush. The burning bush is, uh, is this you know, fire that was, that was not consuming the bush, but yet uh, is, you know, the angel were inhabiting it. Um, and really just telling Moses that he's going to be uh, divinely used uh, for his glory to save and rescue the people of Israel. Uh, we learned that how God did this deliberately because this was all part of his plan. 400 years before this, uh, he told um, Abram that this is what's going to happen. And now we see 400 years later, and, and chronologically 400 years later, this is now but in the page of scripture, it's only several pages later. Uh, again, time doesn't always, it's not always reflected in the pages of scripture. Uh, but 400 years later, finally, uh, God's going to move his redemptive plan. And we learn that how, this is how God works. Uh, he will, everything is according to his timetable. Everything works and everything that he does is ultimately going to fulfill his redemptive plan, even though in our modern time we may not see that, and how like how does the, th the things I do today impact eternity? Um, and I think that one of the most obvious one is that when we do evangelism, someone gets saved. This is how it impacts eternity. Um, but that's just what we learned on Monday that God announced His uh, plan, uh, and we're called to just trust it and and to continue to trust in Him, uh, no matter what happens in our life. Today we're going to learn about how God appoints his people, or appoints in this particular passage, his one person to represent him. And we see that as he uses Moses, he's going to use Moses as a mediator and as a voice uh, to Moses and to, uh, to Pharaoh, and, and as well as the Israelites. So uh, this is their second point. God appoints his person, or uh, yeah, God appoints his person, his prophet, or his people, whatever P you decide to use. Verse 10, therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Now, this sounds like he's being humble here, and I don't think that's the case. Moses, I know in the Torah later, he will say he is the most humble man, but this is not the case. He is just trying to get out of the job. He, see, he hears what God wants to do, and he's like, um, can you find someone else? Uh, who am I? That This is the attitude he has. He's not being humble about it. He actually is just petrified, and he doesn't feel worthy to do it. He wants to, you know, find some, he wants God to look for someone else. Verse 12, and he says, certainly I will be with you. And what, a, what assurance that is, that he's going to give him this great task, and God promises him that he will be with him. And just like, this, this this language just sound familiar to us because at the end of Matthew the gospel, that's what he Jesus tells us when he, we go and do the Great Commission. Like, he will always be with us, um, and that's a good thing. That's something that we have assurance of. That no matter what ministry task and outreach that we're doing and wherever we are and whatever time we're in, as long as we're faithfully representing the Lord, the Lord is with us. 
And that should give us courage when we live in this fallen and, and very difficult world. For, continue on verse 12. And, and this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Um, this is, a again, uh, when we, he just basically is telling what he needs to do. That He's assuring him that you will actually succeed here. Like He's saying you're going to come out, you're going to be here, and then you, people are going to realize that, um, that he is the one true God. So that's a really cool way to like let people know, um, uh, you know, that he is in control over all all the circumstances, situation in life. Verse thirteen. Moses begins to ask a very good question here. He says, uh, "Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them?" Again, this is a good philosophical question because in the Egyptian society, there's a whole bunch of different gods and usually they'll say, oh, oh you're from the god of Ra or from God this. That's, that's why you need to listen to me. But the Jewish people, they have some sort of a knowledge of Yahweh, but remember, they didn't have the Torah then. All they've heard is that there was a god of, uh, of Joseph all the way back, uh, but they don't know anything. They don't know much about him other than what has uh, been said. And um, he asked them, what should they call you or what how what is your name and then god responds god said to moses in verse 14 i am who i am and he said thus you shall say to the sons of israel i am has sent me to you this is a really cool name uh there's this is and, you, and depending on what bible translation you have uh usually this is in all caps i am who i am um and the little nerdy phrase is called the un Utterable tetragrammaton, which is basically the unutterable four-letter name uh, in Hebrew, is Yod, Heid, Wa, Hey, which is like Y H W H, um, and this is intended. God wanted His people to know His name. Now, why don't we call Him that? And and I think part of the reason the debate over time is that uh, we don't actually know exactly how well, how to say his name uh the jewish people at the time they did not want to break the second commandment of using god's name in vain so they chose not to say his name uh so moses got it and the original generation of people got it but they didn't transfer it they didn't tell people uh what what yahweh's name is um so when we think about in fact throughout the old testament at time when they would try to address Yahweh, they'll either say like the way or um, they'll say something other, Adonai, like the Lord. You know, that's how, you know, most of our translations have the Lord for that reason. Um, because the Jews, they, they thought that like, um, they thought they didn't want to accidentally break the second, second commandment. So they did, uh, they just tried to cover it up or not say it, uh, which is not what God intended. Um, in the Bible, when it says don't use God's name in vain, it's, it's more than just not using his name as a swear word. Uh, we'll get to it when we get to Exodus 20, but just to summarize for now, it basically means that you don't misrepresent God's name. Don't say that you are a Yahweh follower and then live like you're a pagan worshiper. Uh, that's what the second commandment is, is, and of course, including the don't use God's name in vain, but we always aim for the lower as opposed to the higher one. Because, you know, in a sense, you can actually not use God's name in vain and still misrepresent the Lord. So this name, Yahweh, is very unique in that the definition of it, it just means I am 
self-existence. That's who I am. I, I, I am this. Like, there's no beginning, there's no end. He's just an always existence. This is just an attribute of who he is. Um, he is described, he self-describes himself as the one that is always in existence, which shows you the power in, of who he is. And he will show this later on when the when they see when you see we'll go through the ten plagues each of the plagues is supposed to go against the each of the egyptian gods and they show them that these gods have a finite beginning and he was going to put an end to them uh, but yahweh the one that's supposed to be uh, the all-existent one is um is that so now another question is like i just called yahweh yahweh how do we get that well the reason why we get that is because remember how i said the word adonai in the, the that so actually let me backtrack so yahweh is like these four concepts y h w h and there's no vowels that's written so that people don't know what it is but because people keep calling uh lord or adonai they use that the vowels for adonai and they put it into uh the consonants uh, i mean yeah, yeah the consonants for uh, yahweh so that's how we get the word yahweh uh, they just added the the vowels from one word and put it into this word and therefore we get yahweh some of you are probably wondering, what about Jehovah? Jehovah is actually that version of it, but in German. Uh, Germans can't say Y sound, so they say Ja instead of Ja. So it's actually, that's just the, the, the German version of it. That's how we get the name Jehovah. The problem with this for Jehovah Witnesses, they don't even realize that. I've, I've spoken to Jehovah Witnesses that the real name of Yahweh is Jehovah. And it's like, no, it's not. It's a, that's actually a misunderstanding of, of language and through, that's passed through time. Uh, but anyways, that's how we. That's why we call it Yahweh. It's just because um, it's part of a just tradition. But technically speaking, we don't really know. Um, in your Bibles, if you look at all the Old Testament, whenever you see capital Lord, that's supposed to be in the Hebrew Yahweh. So that's a little quick lesson there about his name. But uh, verse fifteen. Go for the more said to Moses uh, said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the God the, the the Lord or Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. See, it was commanded and expected of them to actually go and tell their descendants who the name, the true name of God is. Uh, there are certain Bible translations that actually do use that word Yahweh. Um, the Holman translation before the 2015 one used it. The upcoming Legacy Bible is going to use the same thing, and I think that's that's a cool translation. Um, you know, using the word Yahweh instead of Lord, um, just to kind of distinguish between the word Lord and Yahweh's name, because there's actually a Hebrew name for Lord, like lowercase L, and then there's a uh, you know Yahweh's name. Um, so, anyways. This is not a secret decoder ring that the only seminary students know. This is just kind of common thing. I think some of your Bibles might have that as like a, like a side reference. And on another side note, technically speaking, this is not the first time God calls himself Yahweh. Um, back in Genesis, he actually calls himself, like you, if you look back at Genesis, the word, I think it's Genesis 4, it says like the Lord. Uh, so this is the first time that it's actually used. But it, what is sp sp unique about this time is that Yahweh commands Moses to make sure that everyone down from here on out start calling him by that name. Uh, and that's his way of saying that I am the, I'm going to distinguish myself from the rest of uh, all the other gods out, out there. Verse 16, Go and therefore the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, uh, the God of your father, God Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I am 
indeed concerned about you and what you have done to, and what has been done to you in Egypt. Again, this is similar to what's going on in verse 9 of this chapter, is that God is concerned for his people. He cares about his people and he will call them out. Um, not like calling them out in terms of something as if they did something wrong, but he'll call them out because he cares for them. Um, and this is just for us to remember that God answers your prayers. God knows um, what you're going through. God knows the struggles that you have. God knows the pain that you're in. And that should be something that gives us encouragement. Um, our God is not blinded to um, to what's going on in our lives. He's completely aware. And he does care. Um, I'm trying to think of a psalm right now that said that uh, the Lord keeps our tears in a bottle. And it's 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 a, a uh, Psalm 56. Yeah, Psalm 56, verses 8. It says that you you keep track of all my you can keep track of all my sorrows. Like there's a there's a sense in which he knows all of our pain. Um, and depending on where we're at and what what's going on in our life, he's it's not like he turns a blind eye to it. Um, yeah, verse uh, it reads here. You have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? God will always care for his people. Um, he'll providentially protect us in this life. Um, but even if he was to take our life, um, it's because he, f he sees that it's best for us to leave this world. Um, and this is assurance that he, we have in him that we're safe. No matter what goes on, how bad things may be in our life now or what is to come, we can... Praise the Lord, knowing that um, He is a God that cares for us. In this uh, lesson today, we, we see that God appoints His people. He chooses them. He he, choo he chose Moses for a particular purpose, and that is to go and tell people, to encourage people that He that God is you know that God cares for them. And he's aware of their pain, and also to tell and proclaim to non-believers that the God of Israel, Yahweh, is coming, and they need to repent. Um, and that's our job too. You know, God appoints us. God chose us before the foundations of the world for this particular purpose, and that is that we do good works. Uh, Ephesians one chapter chapter one verse five. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will. Uh, and that's uh, the reason why we're saved. We were saved so that we could be used by God to even do good works, uh, as it says later on in. Um, in the Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. As Christians, we can have, we should feel privileged to be called by God in a time like this to represent him, to tell people about who he is, who the one true God is, and, um, and do good deeds uh, for, and, and do good deeds for his glory. Um, that's really uh, the first lesson, uh, the second lesson for us today is that God appointed all of us. Uh, he chose us, and He's going to use us in ways that we would, um, we won't be able to do on our own. But He will watch over us, and He'll be there for us, um, and because that's just who He is. He's a God that cares for His people, especially those that are His own, and even those that are His own, especially those that are His own that are afflicted. Um, be comforted, knowing that our that our Lord chose us to serve Him and that he is with us through um, any type of valley and darkness in our life. So Monday we learned about how God announces his redemptive plan. Today we learned about how God appoints his people um, or his person. 
uh, and on Friday we'll end our lesson chapter by looking at how God um, God shows us uh, power as well as uh, God proves his um, yeah, just basically, we'll just start. We'll just go with that, that right? But God demonstrates His power to uh, to His people and to the and to the non-believing world. Thank you for listening. Take care and have a good day. Mm-hmm.